Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Between the Shadows. This is Kara. And this is Kristen. So good to have you with us tonight. Thanks for coming back and joining us on more Dark Shadows. Yes. Um, So last episode, um, we talked all over the map about Dark Shadows from the very beginning to the very end. And I think this is where we kind of want to kind of just tell the story a little bit and just, you know, comment from there. Um, so Dark Shadows started, it began in the summer of 1966. Uh, the first episode aired on June the 27th of 1966. Um, and, uh, the whole first episode is about, uh, Victoria Winters, who is coming all the way from New York to Collinsport, Maine, to take a job as a governess to nine-year-old David Collins. She is an abandoned orphan um, who has come to Collinsport to try to find clues about her identity, her true identity. Um, And uh, we said last time, just as the credits rolled at the end of the first episode was when she first walked into the doors of Collinwood, I think. Yeah, she got a look at the foyer and that was it. Yep, and then Liz Stoddard closed those doors right behind her, and that's what we were left with on episode one. Um, so, you know, Victoria says her whole line, um, you know, my journey's beginning, and after that, we go straight to Collinwood, and we see the grand mistress of Collinwood, Miss Elizabeth Collins Stoddard. The very first glance you get of Elizabeth, you know, she's standing by the window, glancing out, looking so regal. So regal. So beautiful in her black evening dress and her diamonds. And you know, I think I think those earrings she had on in that first scene that we see her, I think those belong to Miss Josette Collins, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, they look like hers. Um, but yes, I absolutely agree. Very regal, very pristine, and just overall, she looks like the grand mistress she of does. this great big mansion. And uh, and then, of course, you have Roger, who is standing behind her and, with a drink in his hand, mm-hmm. and he says to her this line that um, Louis Edmonds actually brought up in one of his interviews. He said, a watch pot never boils, to coin a phrase. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Which is kind of which is kind of what she's doing. She is watching because she knows she's hired this girl. This girl is coming up to the house to be um, to be a governess to, for her her little nephew. And she tells Roger, she's like, "Well, maybe you should go check on your kid." And he was like, "The little monster's asleep, and I'm delighted." Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like you know, her whole glancing out the window, standing there, it's just that anticipated moment coming that there is a stranger coming into Collinwood to live for the first time and ever, ever. just about <laughs> ever yeah so um, I mean at least in this era the, the 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 present day Collins is you know this is the first time um and we find out you know Liz has been on this hill for 18 years you know and mm-hmm. nobody's ever been invited in the house the only people who come there to see her is our beloved Bill Malloy, mm-hmm. who, of course, runs the ca- the cannery and the fishing fleet. And he's only there about once a week to go over business with Elizabeth because she doesn't leave the house. Right. You know, uh, Roger is just giving her the business about how she shouldn't be bringing in this stranger and how Collinwood has. He was like, with all these ghosts here, we don't need a stranger coming into this house, Liz. We can do this ourselves. Right. And Liz is like, no way. I've hired this girl. She's she's gonna stay. You know. I've and he was like, well, send her, send her, send her back home with a month's salary and call it good. We can do this ourselves. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And tells her that she he's not at one tenth the fool that she is for bringing this stranger in. 
And Roger is just, he's very, very adamant about not having a stranger in this house. Mm -hmm. And so that is our first clue that something is up at Collingwood. You know, something's weird, something's going on. There's secrets Yeah, that people are trying to keep and not bring people into the house to find them out. At this point, you wonder if it's Liz that's got the secrets or if it's Roger. Right. And we... At this point, it kind of seems like Roger, but but uh, we find out later on that you everyone's know, got their secrets. They've all got secrets, um, and uh, you know he says the little monster's asleep, and I'm delighted. Now that tells me right there, you know, Roger doesn't like his son. Probably even goes so far as to say he hates his son. And so now we're like, okay, well, she's coming up to take care of this kid. What's wrong with the kid that Roger hates him so much? (laughs) Right. And she asked just that. Basically, she has Liz sat down on the couch and she's like, well, what kind of kid is he? Right. And she's like, is he, does he ask questions? Does he like games? And she's just like, she's like, Miss Winters. How do I give this to you? Yeah. (laughs) How do I explain this to you? But she very gracefully and very tactfully says that David is most likely different from any other boy you've ever met. Yeah. And that probably hit it right on the nose without divulging any details about David Collins. Very vague, uh, but you could draw your own conclusions from that comment. Definitely. And the one thing the one thing I want to mention, because I think it's worth mentioning, um, you know, Liz gives her word. Liz is the grand mystery. She was like, she's coming. That's the end of it. And she walks out of the drawing room and they pan back to Roger, who's kind of watching her going out the door. And he just gets this terrified look on his face and crushes his brandy glass in his hand and it breaks to pieces and hits the floor. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, okay, Roger is scared to death about something. We don't know what, we don't know what yet, but, um, so from there it pans to Victoria Winters, who's on the train in transit from New York to Collinsport. And she's kind of lost in thought, and she's got this lady next to her who is just chewing her ear off about whatever. The people there are just cold and damp, just like the season. Just like the season. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she's, (laughs) Victoria's thinking back um, to the the foundling home, the Hammond foundling home, where she spent um, all of her days that she can remember. Um, She was having a conversation with uh, Mrs. Hopewell there, um, about the letter she had received from a Mrs. Stoddard in Collinsport, Maine. And, you know, she asks, she asks Miss Hopewell, you know, have you ever heard of her? She's like, I've never heard of her, Vicki. And um, she was like, but you've been offered a job as a tutor and as a companion. And she says a very fair rate of pay. We don't know what Liz is paying her. I kind of wish we did know what she was paying her. But <laughs> being a Collins and being Elizabeth Stoddard, it's probably very good pay. Definitely. Um, and then Vicky says this thing that doesn't really have a whole lot of significance to us just yet, but she says that she's looked at a map and Collinsport is only about 50 miles from Bangor. And um, we don't know what the significance of that is, not yet. Um, so this lady who's sitting next to Vicky, she was like, I don't think you've heard a word I've said, you know, and, and Vicky's lost in thought, but she remarks that uh, the train hasn't made a regular stop in Collinsport in probably five years. And that she's only been to Collinsport once in all all of her life that she's lived in the area. And she was like, once was more than enough for me. <laughs> so then she asked her, what are you going to do when you get there? And Vicky's like, well, I'm taking a job. She was like, she was like, how did you, why did you come all the way from New York and basically be a fee Collinsport, you know, when you came from New York? And, and at this point, Vicky, she's not ready to let anybody talk her out of this job. She's coming there with a purpose. She's come there to work. 
And she's come there to find some clues about her identity. Yeah, looking for answers. Looking for answers. And um, so that was our opening scene for episode one of Dark Shadows. And uh, at the, luckily, the conductor finally is like, okay, we're in Collinsport, and she can finally stop, you know, talking to this lady who's been bending her ear for the, <laughs> you know, for the train ride. And as she gets off, this lady who's been talking to her all this time just wishes her a very ominous good luck, you know, and yeah. she gets off the train. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she realizes once she gets off the train that there's nobody else around and except for this tall, dark man that we all know and love as Burke Devlin, who is the only other person who got off the train. And he says this line to her, which gets brought up again in, in later episodes. Welcome to the, the end and the beginning of the world, Miss Winters. And and she plays it off. She's like, I'm not going that far just to Collinwood. Do you know it? And the whole time, you know, she's, she mentions Collinwood and Burke kind of gives her a look. But says, oh, yeah. I know it. Yeah. Yeah, I know it. You know, and... <laughs> And uh, she asked him, well, how did they get to town around here? You know, and he was like, uh, <laughs> broomsticks and unicorns, I think is what he yeah. says. Yeah. And and then the car pulls up. He goes, and a chauffeured car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's really bougie and he's got a chauffeured car. And he, you know, he offers her a lift to the to the hotel and she can get a cab to Collinwood. And uh, we mentioned in the last episode, she gets to the hotel and can't catch a cab directly because the guy's got a flat tire. And uh, the way that Burke interacts with this hotel clerk, the hotel clerk obviously knows Burke from Burke's childhood. And he was like, oh, Burke, it's good. And, you know, Burke just cuts him off. Yeah, I'm Burke Devlin. I wired for three rooms, you know. Yeah. And it's like, geez, what's this guy's problem? <laughs> but uh, uh, like, I'm not the man you used to know. Right. He's there. He's impatient. He's on business. Burke himself has got a few, a few, uh, secrets at the moment you know we we find out pretty quickly that he's there to grab revenge on the collins family but uh declare his name of the murder yeah exactly he's uh we we find out later that he's involved in this manslaughter case from 10 years prior uh that uh included the collins family and he's back to clear his name back to take his revenge and he now he's got all this money burke has made it big he's got all kinds of money he's a millionaire now and um, we never find out if he's as rich as the Collins family, but he kind of lets on like he is, yeah. you know. Um, Burke is basically trying to put the Collinses out of business and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But um, so, of course, and then we, we touched on this last episode, too, that um, because this guy's got a flat tire, Vicky goes in and gets something to eat because she's starving, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then we get to meet Maggie Evans in that whole uh, uh, scene there and... Uh, she calls Vicky a jerk. <laughs> and Vicky's like, excuse me, I don't know you. <laughs> and uh, she she calls Vicky a jerk because she wasn't the one to tell her that she was going up to work at Collinwood. First of all, Vicky doesn't know her and didn't offer up any sort of information about where why she was in Collinsport, you know. And But Maggie says that she she's the last link in a long line of gossip is what she says and uh she she knows you know we talked she's she's your average run-of-the-mill gossip and she knows everything about everyone and knows all about the collinses she says the collinses are the biggest thing in that town they own the biggest fishing fleet and the biggest cannery and the biggest gloomiest darkest old house in town and they're all kooks so maggie is the third one to tell vicky 
don't go and work for this family. Get back on the train and go home. Go back home to New York. Yeah. So, so that's how that conversation <laughs> went down with Maggie. She, she's, you know, I could tell you things that, you know, would rock you from here to the railroad station. And Vicky's like, no, thank you. And, um, something's going on in that big old dusty house on top of the hill and everyone in town knows it and Maggie knew it and uh but Vicky goes up to Collinwood she goes up despite what these three people have already said to her and she's completely unaware of these mysteries and these secrets and these this um um never-ending web of events that lie before her it's and, and she, Maggie kind of catches her daydreaming. You know, she's she's thinking back to the foundling home again. And she comes out of it, you know, she comes back out of her thoughts. And, and Maggie's like, you say you were looking for something? And Vicky's like, oh, I, you know, I was just I was just thinking out loud. And, and she was like, well, maybe you belong in that house, you know, Maggie says. And, and at this point, Vicky's she really has nothing to lose, nothing special to go back to. So why not move forward? Exactly. And she wants those answers. She's, she's bent on getting those answers. And the, the mystery between the money that she was getting monthly and then the mystery of Liz Stoddard just sending her a letter out of the blue. I mean, of course your brain would, you know, want to put those two and two together and right. think they're connected. And that alone would send me on a mission right, to right. seek it out and find some answers. I agree. And the whole thing about, you know, Bangor being only 50 miles from Collinwood, well, the money that Victoria Winters was getting every month, I think it, I think they said it was $50. She was getting $50 yeah. a month, something like that. Well, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But um, the, you know, there was no return address, but the, the postage stamp, like the time stamp, um, on the envelope was Bangor, and that's why she made the connection. Collinsport is only 50 miles from Bangor, so that's why she asked Miss Hopewell, "Do you think that there's a coincidence that you know Bangor is only 50 miles from Collinsport?" So that's yeah. where that connection came in, but we don't we don't really know that yet. But um, so, and speaking of Bangor, maybe could that be? Aren't Liz Stoddard's lawyers in Bangor? Yeah, uh, Richard and, they and Frank. they probably just sent the money. Yeah, so, yeah, because... That would make sense, the postage. Right, later later we find out that um, it's her attorneys, Richard and Frank Garner. There, there it is. <laughs> yeah. I was having a difficult time remembering who they were. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're based out of Bangor, and, you know, the attorney takes care of all of Liz's affairs, you know, her money, her, her, her paychecks, whatever. And... Um, so that's where the $50 a month came in from, um, was Bangor from her attorneys, you know, and, um, to the care of Victoria Winters with no return address, except, except for a postal stamp that says Bangor, Maine. Um, so, so, you know, the end of the first episode, she's inside the, the, the doors of Collinwood and, um, the second episode rolls around and we get to know the family members of Collinwood. Um, we got Roger Collins there who has brought his nine-year-old son, David, to live with him, um, and Vicky's there to tutor him. And then we have the grand mistress who has inherited all of the Collins' wealth, the business, the properties, everything belongs to Elizabeth Collins' daughter. Everything belongs, she makes, she calls all the shots, she signs the paychecks, she, she everything, everything is in her power. And 
um, Roger is just along for the ride because Liz said, sure, move in with me with your kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but something, Roger doesn't really seem to get this. He thinks that he is a Collins, so he gets to call the shots too. But, you know, Elizabeth several times has had to put Roger right in his place. <laughs> she, she, you know, Roger's like, this is my house and you can leave whenever I ask you to leave, you know, yeah. especially if you keep acting like this. And um, because Roger, Vicky meets Roger on top of Widow's Hills and, you know, Vicky's just gone to explore the grounds, you know, and Roger finds her on top of the cliff and says, you're not prepared to jump, are you? You know, because Widow's Hill, mm-hmm. we, we learn and we learn over and over that is a popular place for suicide, apparently. And so he asks her, are you prepared to jump? And um, she, you know, she says, it's, I, I had a hard time getting here from the railroad station. And Roger's like, I should have picked you up in the car. That was unthoughtful. She's like, oh, you know, there was a guy on the train and he, you know, he took me to the hotel and I caught a cab. And he was like, but he said he knew you. He was like, his name was Devlin, Burke Devlin. And Roger just flips. He just mm-hmm. flips, grabs her up by her shirt and says, what did you say? You know, and. And she's like, wow, you're hurting me. Burke Devlin, what's wrong with you? you He's know? like, are you sure? She's like, yes, I'm sure. And he just takes off. Takes off and it, it, we don't know. Left her standing there on the cliff. Yeah. And um, so, okay, fine. Roger's lost his crap again, you know. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, But then I think next scene you see him pull up to Sam Evans' cottage and he's just banging on the door. Open, open up, door. you drunk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and pounding on the door. Open this door, you drunken bum, you know. <laughs> to, to still no answer. Sam never answers the door, so he just leaves. That's a pretty good blackout drunk if you can't hear Roger pounding on this door. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, so then Roger ends up at the diner with Maggie for yeah. a piece of pie and a cup of coffee about 10 minutes before they close. She, and he's asking her, hey, where's your dad? How's your dad? You know, try, trying to be stoic about it. But, you know, from the previous scene, we can see Roger really wants to find Sam Evans. And uh, so, and that's the first scene we meet Bill Malloy. And, Bill Malloy. Uh, and uh, Bill Malloy tells Roger, hey, did you hear Burke Devlin's back? And um, Roger's like, yeah, sure, I heard he was back. Tries to play it off, you know. And, but again, from the previous scene... Um, he's panicked that Burke Devlin is back in town and um, don't know why at this point yet we don't know why we all know it's because of the manslaughter case um, for those of us who have watched past the first few episodes but um, so um, going back to Liz we we know that she's been on this hill for 18 years and um, it's because of Paul Stoddard you know he disappeared 18 years prior and she's been waiting at this house on top of the hill for 18 years and my opinion, Liz kind of, she kind of reminds me of um, us girls who have gone through a difficult breakup with someone that we were super attached to, you know. Yeah. And um, she's kind of the equivalent of, you know, the modern day girl who is checking Facebook and checking our phones to see if our ex has reached out only to find that there's been radio silence you know yeah and uh yeah we kind of die a little bit inside when we realize <laughs> that they haven't reached out yes. um but and the, you know the house is is gigantic i think the official count in that second episode was 40 rooms 40 rooms um later later episodes you know oh i don't know nobody's counted and then i think again in another interpretation somebody said oh there's over 200 rooms but this this official original series count was 40 rooms at collinwood the the collinwood manor house the 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 big house and um 
our dad actually made a point mm-hmm. um, when I spoke to him last after this last episode. Um, Collinwood was technically the new house, but this house, this great big house that's standing there, is still over two hundred years old. Yeah. And um, so it's a very old house, even though it's the new house, you know, it's still a very old house. Um, But, you know, it's a big house and there's the family business and I'm sure there's stuff to do. But she stayed there by herself, didn't leave that hill for 18 years. I don't think I would have lasted probably the first month, let alone 18 years, you know. Um, But, of course, we find out what the real, real story is later on when we meet the infamous Jason. Well, and trivia for the day. Collinsport, we found out, was founded in, was it 1690? 1690. So the old house, you know, got when Barnabas's family got there, my God, the house was already 105 years old. Right, exactly. Speak of an old house. <laughs> um, Isaac and Amadeus Collins were yeah. the ones who founded Collinsport, Maine. Yes. And uh, built the old house. So yeah, when, when uh, 1795 rolled around and Joshua, Naomi, and their kids, Barnabas and Sarah, were there, um, the house was already over 100 years old. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Collins, Collinsport is freaking old <laughs> um so um so at the uh we, we find out that burke uh has gone to this local pub after getting a message at the hotel um there's a guy there that's waiting to meet him um uh, a guy named strake mm-hmm. and uh burke is very impatient wants to know what strake has found out about the collinses and he starts reading him this report mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and then we also meet Carolyn's daughter, who is, of course, Liz's daughter, and her boyfriend, Mr. Joe Haskell, who works for the family. Um, when we see Joe Haskell, um, the way that Strake puts it, he is mama's choice for Carolyn to marry. <laughs> and uh, Joe is your average uh, hunky guy who's working on the boats at Collinsport Cannery. or call, Yeah, Collinsport Cannery. I don't even know what the official name <laughs> is. Collinsport Cannery, I think, is what it is. Yeah. But... Um, well, and later in that episode, later in the episode, Carolyn even says that herself. She's like, "He's my mother's choice, prime choice for me," or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's like, "She yeah. wants me to be. He wants me. To, she wants me to be hung up on on Joe Haskell." You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we we see them both at the bar, and you know, Strake is telling Burke, "Yeah, that's Carolyn's daughter. That's her beau, Joe Haskell." And mm-hmm. um. Uh, Carolyn is dancing her face off and making a fool of herself. And well, Joe's just not into it, sitting, drinking his beer. Sitting, sitting at the table, sipping his beer, just looking uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. But <laughs> <laughs> and it ends up in a fight between Joe and the guys that are Car- that Carolyn's dancing with. And Bert comes over and breaks things up and yeah. tells tells Joe to you know get her home before the cops get there. And and. Yeah. As they're leaving, he shouts back to Haskell. He's like, hey, come back. I want to talk to you. You know, when, mm-hmm. when you're done taking her home, get back here. I want to talk to you. Yeah. And uh, we find out that uh, uh, Burke wants to pay him for information about the Collinses because Joe's probably got some dirt because he's he's trying to marry Carolyn. Well, his but, boss is also Bill Malloy. And, you know, Bill Malloy is yeah, like Bill Malloy tight with Liz Stoddard. Definitely. So... They're like the prime minister and the queen. They meet up about once a week. 
to it's discuss business. <laughs> it's a very good example. You got the grand mistress and the general manager of the fishing fleet and the cannery, and they're very good friends. Yes. You know, so yes, uh, Her Majesty <laughs> and uh, His Highness the, the, Prime, the Prime Minister. minister. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we have that's where we have for for Burke. Um, so. These first, like, three or four episodes is still the fir- Vicky's first night in Collinsport. Yeah. And uh, it takes them a while to get past that first night. That's where we, you know, Roger's looking for Sam Evans and uh, Bill Malloy comes to tell him that Burke is back. And Burke is at the bar bargaining with Joe. Joe is trying to buy his own boat so that he can impress Carolyn so that Carolyn will want to marry him. And Burke offers to pay the first down payment on his boat in exchange for information on the Collinses. Like, Burke wants to know about the Collins family and all of their misdeeds and information and secrets and whatever else Straight can pick up on them. And Straight says, well, you should be paying me double the way people clam up around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe takes Carolyn home and then... That's when Vicky first meets Carolyn because, you know, she's been out all night at the bar. She gets home. She gets changed into her night clothes, you know, and knocks on Vicky's bedroom door and just, you know, waltzes on in. She's like, oh, you must be Carolyn. And um, they get to talking and stuff. And she comes into her room in the middle of the night and welcomes her into the House of Usher, which is another Poe reference, which I love. The House of Usher is a reference to yet another Edgar Allan Poe piece of work. Um, Yeah, it's about a guy named Philip Winthrop who goes to see his fiancée Madeline at the dark house, and it's a desolate family mansion. The family who lives there has a bloodline curse on the family, and the fiancée falls into a catatonic trance and appears dead. So you can see... Kind of, you know... It was a very clever reference on Carolyn's part, House, the House of Usher. Right. I and, loved that reference. And it was, yet again, another one of Poe's pieces. Famous pieces of yeah, work. Yeah, definitely. And a um, uh, little, little bit of trivia, uh, Vincent Price was the one who played the starring role in The House of Usher yes. uh, uh, in 1960. Piece, yeah. Just a little piece of trivia there. Um, Around the same time, Dark Shadows. Right. And Carolyn Carolyn offers, she was like, welcome to the House of Usher. Can I help you pack? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's now the fourth one. Yeah. She's now the fourth one. Get back on the train and go home. Mm -hmm. And and Vicky says, she was like, that, I've been hearing that every hour on the hour since I got here. What is the deal? She's like, I don't want you to go. It's great that I have someone here, you know, someone here to talk to and, and she was like, but you've been in this house. You know, you've, she keeps calling it. She's like the beautiful nut house. And, and, <laughs> and she looks up at Isaac Collins's portrait and said, who told you to build this, pri- to build this prison, you know? <laughs> and Carolyn often refers to Collins, Collinwood as, you know, the prison or the nut house or yeah. who told you to build this jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, Vicky, Vicky wants to be there. She's got her reasons, you know? And, uh. So right at the end of the third episode is where we meet David Collins. Little David. And uh, he's Mr. David Hennessy did a good job looking freaky coming down them stairs with those yeah. big old round eyes. <laughs> just cold, cold stare on his face. This and, cute little kid. Yeah. Just, and he came down the stairs with this cold, tight-lipped stare, you know, and... 
And Vicky was like, well, she, she was like, fine thing, a way to greet a new friend that way, you know. And, and he just walks right up to her, calm and collected and ominous, and just says, I hate you. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's how the episode ends. Yeah. I hate you. And yeah. but <laughs> I would maybe would have said that was person number five to tell her to get yeah, the heck out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, eventually we just stopped counting because so many people I mean, she even gets the speech from Roger, you know, yeah. you need you need to get back on the train and go home. But I think Roger's paranoid. <laughs> Definitely. And he, he's, you He's know, got some of the biggest secrets that he, he's he trying to hide, and... He does. He's and, very paranoid. And he will do just about anything to cover his tracks, to keep someone from being off of his scent, and mm-hmm. uh, it's... <laughs> so I... Roger, I try not to count his, because he's just out to cover his own behind, but... Um, so, I mean, with, with David, though, I mean, Vicky... Vicky was very, she had a lot of finesse with David, I think. You know, that first initial, I hate you, she had so much self-control. Um, I probably would have brought down the Iron Fist if I had chosen to stay, you know. And she had a lot of love where she didn't really ever have any. She really did. And the, that's probably where that stems from, of course, you know. you know. She, she knows what it's like to be, you know, troubled because she... Her, his dad is, he is, he's there, but he's absent. His mother's not in the picture at all. And, you know, she thinks that that's probably where David's troubledness comes from, you know. Right. And she wants to, she wants to bring reformation to this child, you know, yeah. and show them that he's loved and that he, there's, you know, there's more to life than just being a hater. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. Uh, I mean, Vicky does try to leave a couple of times. I mean, she tries to pack her bag and leave, but someone's always there to talk her out of it. And a lot of the time, it's Mrs. Elizabeth Stoddard. <laughs> and, uh... Well, and eventually it's Carolyn, too. She's like, yeah. I don't want you to leave. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the reasons Liz gave, sometimes I don't... Well, we know that it wasn't always the complete truth, um... You know, she said that she wanted someone there to tutor David, which I absolutely believe is true. You know, somebody needed to be there to take care of David. And she wanted someone there so that Vicky, or I'm sorry, excuse me, that Carolyn could just be free to marry Joe because Carolyn didn't want to leave her mother. She just didn't. And, you know, Joe wants to marry Carolyn, but Carolyn won't take the bullet. She just won't because she doesn't want to leave her mother. And she's afraid. And that was, I think that was another reason that Liz wanted to bring her on, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, so that she wouldn't be alone. And, and you know, the, the job outline said to be a companion and to tutor a nine-year-old. She didn't say that the companion was to the old woman, and you know, but we, we kind of gather that. But. And, and with Carolyn, I mean, at the end of the day, she just didn't want Joe. It was all ex- she didn't. it was all excuses here and excuses there, but at the end of the day, she just didn't want to be with Joe. Joe was too and that's boring okay. for her. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, I said earlier that she was just too wild for Joe's spirit, and yeah. you could see that when he was sitting at the table in the bar and she's up having a good time, and mm-hmm. he just wanted to sit and relax and mm-hmm. have a nice conversation. Oh, and it's so funny you know? in in an interview with Nancy Barrett <laughs> when she explains about when she got the role as Carolyn uh, Stoddard, she. 
She's like, every time that I play a character, I pick out a song for this particular mm. character. <laughs> and she was like, when I got picked for the role of Carolyn Stoddard, my song for Carolyn Stoddard was Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> and I think it's the perfect song because Carolyn didn't want to be locked up in the, the beautiful nut house, as she just so lovingly referred to it. Yeah. She wanted to get out and have adventure and have a good time. And Joe just wanted stability. Joe wanted to settle down and have a family and get married and... And, you know, get promoted at the, his job, get promoted <laughs> or run or I think his other thing, he wanted to have his own boat so that he could get his own fish yes. and do his own, you know, his, have own, his own company. And that, that was part of the that was part of the wanting to be, you know, married to Carolyn. You know, he wanted to impress her, wanted to show that he could be a big man too, be a yeah. big. no rich. matter how hard he tried, it really didn't work, though. Yeah. And. You know, at this point, Carolyn's never heard of Burke Devlin, but she's gung-ho on finding out. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but, so that is what we got for you tonight. Um, next episode, I think we will continue on the story, um, learn more about David Collins. Next few episodes. How he tries to get Victoria Winters out of there because he's one of those many that says get out too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but just want to say thanks again for joining us and please remember if you want to reach out we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us an email at betweentheshadows2021 at gmail um, or we're on Facebook also. We'll, we're pretty responsive to those messages too. Um, so definitely reach out questions, comments, concerns, whatever you got. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we're, we're having so much fun doing this, guys. Oh, so much fun! I we I, I I wish we could keep on talking, but we're not gonna we're not gonna drag it out, or we'd be here literally till the sun comes up tomorrow. Yes. Until next time, guys. We'll just keep it between us and the shadows. Good night. Good night, everyone. My name is Victoria Winters. My journey is beginning. A journey that I hope will open the doors of life to me and link my past with my future. A journey that will bring me to a strange and dark place, to the edge of the sea high atop Widow's Hill, a house called Collinwood, a world I've never known with people I've never met, people who tonight are still only shadows in my mind, but who will soon fill the days and nights of my tomorrows.